Hi, everyone. My name is Rob Bowen. I started with Hawksoft about two years ago. The reason I went with Hawksoft was the salesperson spent way too much time with me, spent about six hours walking through what Hawksoft could do for my agency, how it could help my agency, and uh, how I could become a larger agency. Then I had the pleasure of meeting Paul and Sean Hawkins at the first national convention of Hawksoft that I went to, um, and I felt like I was treated like every other customer, even though my agency is not that large. Once I got to know the culture of Hawksoft, I knew I had made a good decision. My name is Rob Bowen, Patriotic Insurance Group. I joined Hawksoft for the culture. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse, and we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software-first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksoft. God, I love Hawksoft. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rival, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm uh, a little queasy after our dinner last night. So I have saved this story. He wouldn't tell me when he came in, Scott, so I'm a little nervous. I had to call a timeout. I walked in the agency today. Of course, they're all messing with me when i walk in that's another story but uh i walk into that go into the book thing real quick so so okay so yesterday bradley and i we did about 14 podcasts yesterday and around lunchtime i opened the door to this podcast studio and his uh, operations manager is sitting out here on the couch with his legs crossed reading a book that looked like it was the size of war and peace and that got me pissed off and i started telling bradley i'm like bradley our bunch over here 
and I protect. It's like we're fighting a four-alarm fire every day, all day long, and it feels like we're in a damn apartment complex trying to beat a fire down, and meanwhile, your operations manager's out here reading a John Grisham novel all afternoon. And, of course, Bradley thought that was funny. So this morning, when I walk in to do podcasting, he has got, he and his whole team are sitting on couches and chairs in the middle of their office, all with their legs crossed, reading books. And none of us acknowledged him when he walked in. <laughs> about right. About right. Anyway, so I get back here to the podcast studio and I sit down and Bradley walks in here and we're kind of laughing about that. And he said, he goes, hey, man, let me ask you a question. I said, yeah. He said, did you get a little sick after we ate last night? And I said, Bradley, stop right there. I'm going to say this story for the podcast. So here comes the rest of the story. Bradley and I don't do this very often, but we had a chance to go to dinner at a local restaurant last night. And it was in downtown Mobile on Dolphin Street, which is kind of walk. You could kind of walk around the shops. And Bradley has a bunch of bougie friends down here. And one of them had written a book and super nice guy. But he was doing a book signing right down the street. And so we walked down to the haunted bookstore. I purchased a book while I was there called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Unbelievable book. I highly recommend it. Anyway, I got to meet his buddy and, and we talked for a few minutes, but Bradley had parked right around the corner. So we come back, we kiss and hug and say goodbye. Bradley gets in his vehicle to go home. And just about the time Bradley's pulling out to leave, it hits me. Now, secret time for everybody here today, including Rand. Nobody knows this. This is, and judge me if you want to. But as everybody that listens to the podcast knows, I'm a colossal fat ass. So, about a month ago, I start taking the skinny shots. Mm. Now, unlike everybody else in America that takes the skinny shots, I've gained seven pounds on the skinny shots. Okay. So Bradley starts driving off last we'll night. Sterling diet. That's right. Yeah. So Bradley starts driving off last night and as his wheels pull away to leave, y'all, it hits me. I've got to have a bathroom. And I've right got now. to have it right now. Yeah. Or I am going to have to go in the park and pull my pants down behind an oak tree and go to work. I mean, downtown Mobile, you would not be the first person last night that did that. 100%. And right? so I'm thinking, I can't make it. I damn sure can't make it to my hotel. And I can't make it back to my car You're to get that my far hotel. from your hotel. So. Hold on. You're getting ahead of me. Oh, sorry. So I'm thinking, nobody at the restaurant. See, we just left 20 minutes ago. So everybody at the restaurant will know. They'll, they'll think, oh, oh that well, guy's back. Yeah, that guy's back. Maybe he's going to have a drink. Bradley, I go into the bathroom. Oh, at the restaurant. Of that restaurant. And for 20 minutes, <laughs> I sit on the toilet and watch Ryan Hanley TikToks of him hitting a heavy bag <laughs> while I absolutely dominate their bathroom. Like, uh, <laughs> so at about the 15-minute mark, some dude has got to go to the bathroom yeah, himself. Yeah, because it's a one-holer. It's a one-holer. Yeah. Yeah, you lock the door when you go in. And homeboy starts starts jerking on the door trying to open it. Well, five minutes <laughs> and when you later, open it up. It's the restaurant. You're, so if he got the door open, you would have been in a real precarious situation. So so when I do five minutes later open the door, homeboy is standing on the <laughs> other side of the door and he is pissed. He's been trying to get in for like five or ten minutes, right? But he changed his mind when he walked in there. So so I go back to my hotel and. I'm about to get, I get in my car to go back to the hotel and I think to myself, wait a minute, we ate dinner at five o'clock and I just evacuated my large <laughs> intestines. So that means at eight o'clock, I'm going to be hungry again. Yeah. 
So then you had told me about this other place and I go down there and get my second dinner of the night to have for later on. It was just a whole, it was a whole big thing. I know know what it was too, that, yeah, I I had a similar, similar experience. Guys, we got an all-star guest on for you today. I'm excited to have him on. This was an idea that Bradley had last minute. And I'm so excited. About the time you were eating your second dinner. About the time I was eating my second dinner last night, guys. I want to go ahead and bring him on and give him the introduction that he's always deserved. Let everybody know what we're doing is a little different today. So Bradley, about 8 o'clock last night, when I was eating my second dinner of the night, comes up with this idea. And he texts me and he goes, I've got the most brilliant idea I've ever had. He texts some of our podcast listeners and says, hey, guys, Scott and I, We've got a podcast opening tomorrow, and I want to bring one of you guys on and let us basically do a one-hour consult with you on on air live. That being the catch, it's it's on air live, so correct. Let it all hang out. Got to let it all hang out. Which, as if you've listened to any part of this podcast today, you know is not a problem. And he had how many? Five, six, seven people respond to that, and you picked one out of like. No, we had more. We had five, six, seven initially. We had way more since then. Okay. But yeah, we picked uh, we picked Scott here, and uh, seems like a good dude I as think, well. So think, fun fun to have on and I, have a, have a conversation. And 100%, um, 100%. you know, there's some things we can't help with. There's some things that we can, and he may not get anything out of this. But the specific problem he texted is something that not only both of you and I have been through this, but I think it it hits a large percentage of the podcast listeners. Yeah. So. Uh, if you're uh, you know less than ten years in your agency, buckle up because this is this is going to be this is going <laughs> to hit you right in the screws. So here we go, guys. He is originally from Spartanburg, South Carolina, and he currently resides in Bradenton, Florida. He is married to the beautiful Allie, and they have two beautiful babies, Merritt, age five, and Milia, age eight months old. Guys, I know you. one of these days you're going to hear this podcast, and when you do, I want you to go up for me. For Do this for me, guys. Do this for me. Go up to your daddy and hug his neck and tell him how proud you are of him. Okay, That would mean a lot to him. He is a graduate of the University of South Carolina with a history degree. And today, he is currently the agency owner at Minnesota Insurance and Wealth Management in Bradenton, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Scott Cox. How are you, Scott? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Man, doing the best. Thank you for coming on the show today. So Bradley comes up with this idea last night. He's like, hey, let's do a one-hour consult live on the air. Yeah. And here we go. And give us, uh, Scott likes the DeLorean, hop in the DeLorean, give us kind of the backstory of the agency and then then lead into sort of the the main question that you had that you texted last night. Yeah. So move, I wouldn't say on a whim, but it was a quick opportunity that came up uh, 2014 to move from South Carolina to Florida. There was an agency owner that we knew and had a relationship with in South Carolina that was uh, purchasing an agency, an existing agency. Uh, here in Bradenton. He wasn't really in a position to pick up everything and, and move. He was looking, you know, his staff or some other folks to kind of come down here and run this agency on his behalf. Was that a challenge going from South Carolina to Florida? In some ways, yes. I mean, we we went from, my wife and I, we were, weren't even married at the time, but we went from kind of everything we had known and grown up around to uh, being dropped into a whole new place and having to learn really everything, everything all over. So it was a challenge, but Looking back on it, almost 10 years later, it was one of the best decisions we ever made. So, But had the opportunity to do nothing at all about the insurance business. 
uh, or the financial services industry, which is kind of what the job entailed. And um, started studying, started learning, uh, moved, really jumped in feet first, personal lines insurance, life insurance, and um, some retirement uh, business. And did that from 2014 all the way up until the beginning of 2020. We started talking, I guess it was 2019, seriously, about buying the agency from you know, the gentleman that we worked for um, over that course of time. And that happened in January of 2020. We were kind of in this, I, the term I used to describe it was kind of a hybrid between a captive and independent. Uh, technically, we were a captive, but the captive company that we represented had left like a lot of other carriers, uh, the Florida home insurance market. Right. And so what they allowed their agents to do on the home insurance side was go out and act as an independent broker, get whatever appointments you can get, write whatever business you can write. And from that standpoint, the property insurance side of our business, we were independent. Mm-hmm. But we were cap- we were captive with everything else. What captive carrier was this? Uh, Horace Mann. Okay. We did that, purchased the agency in 2020, transitioned into ownership. And um, obviously anybody in Florida or even outside of Florida knows as tough as this insurance market is, Florida is probably one of, if not the toughest market in the in the country. And so between the tough market and just some other things we were dealing with, we decided it was in the best interest of the agency and the business to transition to being fully independent. So that's what we did January of 2023. We made we separated from our captive and made the jump to being fully independent. Okay. You're new, new at the independent side. New at the independent side. Yeah. Less than a year. So it's one of those things you saying moving to Florida was your first insurance experience. And then to add to that, your first independent insurance experience is probably the hardest market Florida has ever dealt with. And I think that's a good thing. You know, when, when I first started in PNC, I worked for State Farm, for a State Farm agent. And at that time in Mobile and Baldwin County, which are the two coastal counties in Alabama, an individual State Farm agency could only write two homeowners policies a month. So that was the market I came into. So I didn't know, you know, so anything's easier than only being able to write two a month. You know what I mean? People would call in for a quote and we'd have to put them on a list. Right. And so, okay, we'll get to you in April, right. you know. So I think from that perspective, where you are now and where you started is probably a blessing because everything's going to be easier after this. Mm-hmm. Short of nuclear destruction next week, which could could happen with everything going on in the world. I've got a question. Yeah. Scott, I just want to make sure that I understood you correctly. Before you guys moved down to, to Bradenton, Florida, was there a period of time where either you or your wife or both of you were working for that agency before you made the transition down there? In other words, were y'all in the business for four years before you took on that responsibility to go down there? So my wife was, and that's kind of how the opportunity presented itself. She worked, and I guess I should have said that, but she worked for the agent that was purchasing this agency in Florida. So that's how- How long did she work for him up in South Carolina? Two years, yeah. So she she had some experience and obviously was licensed and kind of knew enough to get us going once we were down here. But for me, it was- um, Everything was brand new. What was she doing for him when she was in South Carolina? What role did she play in the agency? A mix between producing and and service and inside. For the purpose of this, and we can take this out of the episode if you want us to, just let me know. But for the purpose of actually helping you, what's the size of the agency premium wise? We're at about three and a half million in premium. Okay, good. So roughly 10% commissions, Mm -hmm. give or take. Okay. And and your question was, how do you work on the business while still needing to work in the business? And I sort of, the way I I received that was, how do you you transition? You're in that transitional period. 
right? Where it's like, hey, I need to start moving to other operational higher level things, but my business is 300,000 revenue still requires me to be present and be there, right? Yeah, I think that that's fair. And, and one of the things, you know, when we, and I won't get into all the details, but when sure. we transitioned from that captive to being fully independent earlier this year, we did walk away from a good percentage of revenue. Yeah. So, you know, the focus, especially this first year, two, three years of being fully independent is, we still got to pay bills, keep the lights on, make payroll. Oh yeah. And thankfully we, we were able to, like I said, maintain our home insurance, property insurance book. So it's not like a complete right. scratch type of deal, but that's a blessing. Yeah, it was. And it's, um, it, you know, it's been nice to have that, but at the same time production and, and you know, we're doing right now about 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a month in new business okay. premium on the, on personal lines. But, um, you know, when I was a producer, it was all about selling apps. and, and apps and, you know, yep. getting stuff written. And then as a, a captive agency owner, it was still about that. But now that we're fully independent and we have the ability really to do whatever we want from a technology standpoint, from, uh, really run the business the way we want to, I start to look at it and I go, okay, yes, it's important to write business and yes, pay bills, make payroll. You know, if we can make a profit, that's great. But if I'm bringing in X amount of business per month, do we have um, processes in place to support retention right. and renewals? And is my client experience the best? Do I have the right processes in place for my team? So, you know, where's the best place and area for me to focus my time? Is it selling? Is it making sure that when we sell something, we've got the back end stuff? where it needs to be. So if you were to tell me you're trying to remove yourself completely out of all of this right now, I would say, don't do that. If you were to say, Hey, I'm going to be completely in the business for another few years, I would say, don't do that. I think doing a mix of both is really where you need to be because what happens is, so I had a conversation with my E&O agent last week or two weeks ago, Angela Schroeder, best E&O agent in the country. And we were just having a general discussion and she said, seven to $1 million in premium. So 700,000 in revenue to, no, excuse me, seven seven $700,000 in revenue and a million dollars in revenue. So seven to 10 million in premium. She said, that's what we call no man's land. And this lady is, this lady has looked at thousands, maybe tens of thousands of agencies. And she knows like the dirty, dirty, when you right. get into the ENO, like, you know, all the warts and all the stuff behind the scenes. And she said, it's no man's land. She said, that's where most agency owners get stuck because that's the point where when you get above a million, you have disposable revenue that you can put towards things. You can, you can throw money at problems, right? You have, and, and that's when you can really scale it. She said, when you're under 700 in revenue, she said, the agency agency's still small enough that you don't need a ton of support and that sort of thing. And, and you can still make a little bit of money and that sort of thing. She said, but seven to a million, that's the point where you have to start running less like a startup or a small agency and more like a company and put processes in place. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck at that point. And she said, that's why. And I think, Scott, the average independent agency in the country is between seven to a million in revenue. Right. And she said, that's why there's so many agencies. There's because people get there. They, they don't want to make the changes to scale it up above right. a million. And they just stay stuck at that range. Right. And, and she said something that was really encouraging to me. She said, I've seen this over and over and over. She said, it's easier to go from a million in revenue to 10 million in revenue than it is to go from 1 million uh, than it is to go from 
zero to a million in revenue. She said, because you can, you can throw gasoline, i.e. money on that fire to really blow it up. And I was like, wow, you just, and I was speaking at IOA the next day on some of the things you're asking, Scott. And I was like, you literally just gave my presentation for tomorrow. So my answer to you is you want to prepare for that $700,000 in revenue, but it's too early to completely turn a hundred percent towards process and procedure. So the first question I would ask you is how many employees do you have? Is it just you and your wife or do you guys have team members? So it's myself and, and Allie, uh, my wife, and then okay. we've got one other uh, full-time producer slash CSR. Okay. Is that full-time producer slash CSR, are they, um, are they doing most of the sales or are you guys still selling? I'd say it's a split. Um, you know, if we have a hundred thousand dollar month, it's probably going to be pretty close to 50, 50. Okay, cool. Good. All right. So you and your wife, let's back up a minute. You and your wife, do you guys kind of just take what's thrown at you or do y'all have like definitive roles and things that you do? Well, we, we started to get more detailed and having more conversation about who's going to handle what. Yeah. And that's kind of what's led to a lot of what we're talking about now. Yeah. And, um, and having these conversations. And so recently we have got it for a long time, Bradley, it was whatever comes in the door, somebody grabs it and handles it and you take care of it and move on. Now we're getting more to where my wife's focus is on the renewals and the retention and the service, because those are things that obviously they need to be taken care of, but it may not be immediate. I mean, if we right. get a renewal that's 45 to 60 days out, we can notify the client and we've got, you know, some time to, to get it handled. And then my focus and, and Laura, who's on our team, is more new business. Okay. So that's kind of how it's structured right now. And, and Allie's doing a great job with, obviously, we're dealing with a lot of rate down here. And she's handling yeah. that and people are upset. And so that's that's more her side of the business. And then Laura and I are focusing more on the on the production side. That's good. How long have you guys been doing that? Scott mentioned earlier, uh, we got an eight-month-old. So when our youngest daughter was born earlier this year, Allie spent... Um, first few months kind of working from home with her, but now Allie's back in the office. And ever since she's come back, that's kind of been our, our process. So I would say the last three to four months. Stick to that. That, that would be the first thing I'd tell you if you were not doing that, when you have a partnership like that, especially when it's your spouse, it's very easy to just take whatever's thrown at you. And that's the number one way you lose control of your day is everybody does a little bit of everything. The definition of that is flying by the seat of your pants. I think, the partnerships that I have that work really well, one of them is this podcast. Scott and I, from the business side of things, have a very definitive, Scott handles this stuff, Bradley handles this stuff. And there's mm-hmm. there's there's no deviation. We give each other permission to question the decisions and discuss it. But at the end of the day, the thing we ultimately do usually leans towards what the person who handles that function wants 100%. to do. And, I've never agreed with you more. And you've got to, for partnerships to work, you've got to do that. And you've got to respect each other enough to understand that person's yep. position. And what I was going to tell you, if you guys weren't doing that, I would highly suggest taking a disc test, disc assessment to find out what each person's strengths are. And you build around that. An example I gave last week when I was in Chicago is probably one of my biggest weaknesses is my handwriting is terrible, right? It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So I'm a big believer in building around your strengths, not your weaknesses. I don't write anything down. Like I have a pen on my desk, but I hardly ever use it. It's I've, I've built a a structure in my company around, Hey, and and he writes everything everything down, down. (laughs) but I've built a structure in my company around my strengths, not my weaknesses. And that's a silly, stupid example, but 
I would find out what each other's strengths are and okay, these are your strengths. You're going to do these things. These are your strengths. You're going to do these things, whatever weaknesses are left over. That's what you give to the third person or hire somebody for it. So that's number one. You're already doing that. But what I will tell you is it's very easy to say big picture, Scott. All right, we're going to do these things. But then Sally Jones calls in and she's pissed off about her renewal Mm -hmm. and you abandoned the plan. Don't abandon the plan. Now you don't, you don't stick with it to a fault, but you stick to the plan and the person who handles this handles it. And I'm not talking about, you know, there's an agency here in town that they organize their clients by alphabet. So the, this person handles A, B, C, D last names. And if the customer calls in and that person's not in, they're like, oh, the B person's not in today. Like okay, that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Uh, and they have producers that listen to this podcast. So, but 95% of the time you stick to that plan. So that's number one. Number two, is to me the most obvious one. And by the way, the way I give advice like this, Scott, is both Scott's is I I'm telling you what I would do or did. Like mm-hmm. I'm not telling you you have to do this per se. I'm telling you, hey, this is what I would do if I were you. The second thing is is I would try to move myself completely out of production. I think that's the first step to moving away from working in the business and working on the business. And the good thing about it is, is when you get to the point to where somebody else is handling most of the production, it's a, it's a bit of a freeing feeling. And you can actually, for me, when I did that, I uncovered strengths that I had in the company that I didn't know I had because I was too busy selling and adding revenue. And uh, what do you guys use? What systems are y'all on? Are you on agency zoom? So we've got agency zoom for our CRM. All right. Using easy links for our AMS. Here's the hardest thing to do when you remove yourself from sales. You know, when you pull that client to sold and the confetti goes off, mm-hmm. you got to get over that feeling, that right. dopamine hit of, Hey, I just sold something. And what you have to do is you have to rewire what you get excited about. And you need to get excited about somebody else selling something because there's nothing there's to me, there's no better feeling than somebody else selling a big policy. And I had nothing to do with it. Didn't even know about it till they sold it, sold it. Right. You know? So that's, that's step number one is I, if I'm you, I'm slowly training that third person to take over all of the sales. And if they can't take over all of the sales, I'm looking to hire somebody else. The good news is with 300,000 revenue, you've got a little bit of room to play with based on my Mm -hmm. rough numbers in my head. And you hire, you can hire someone specifically for sales to take that over. Um, The cool thing is, is I don't know what your comp plan is to this producer you have, but you can be somewhat conservative with a new hire and structure Mm -hmm. it in a way that, that either A, they pay for themselves really fast or you find out really fast that they're not going to work. And the comp plan that I use is I use a draw plus commission. So let's say it's three grand a month. The agency keeps the first three grand in commission they write. They get 50% of everything above that. You know they're going to sell something. So you're not out three grand a month. And then you basically say, hey, worst case scenario, if they're, a, as Scott would say, a crap head, you've wasted nine grand. Three, you give them right. three months, didn't work out. Hey, we're going to part ways as friends, you know? So that's kind of the first thing I think based on where you are now is get all those sales off of you. And then you can still help out when needed, but I'm going to stop talking here in a minute. I promise everybody. But then what you can do is you can move into more of a sales manager role where you're managing that person and holding that person accountable. And especially if you add a second one, you got two people. So you double your output. What's your thoughts on thoughts on all that, Scott? This Scott, and then we'll go to this Scott for questions. Well, I go all the way back to the start. Try to put myself in your shoes because I've I've been where you are, Scott, and uh, it's tough. You know, I told people a long time ago when I was by myself, not having anybody, 
but but me at about five hundred thousand dollars in premium and that was majority personal lines i could feel that my service side of my book of business was starting to overtake me being able to go out and and kill new business write new business so i've always said at about five hundred thousand, you need you need to hire somebody to cut even if it's just a, a girl to answer the phones and, and and teach her how to you know answer billing questions if if she can now some of that even gets pretty complicated but um i would go all the way back to the start and tell you no matter what happens no matter what happens there's nobody in the insurance industry at any level CEO of any insurance carrier or agency that can speak more about this than I can. And I don't mean that to sound cocky, but you just have no idea of what I've been through. Yeah. Hire great people. And my first rule of thumb now is I don't care as much about what you know about insurance or what you can sell or not sell, man. I just want you to be a good person. Yeah. I want you to come from a good family, have good morals, have good character, do we, the we right build around that. Do stuff. do the right thing, no matter what the right thing is. That's where I'm starting. And if you can't do that, or you're a narcissist, or you're a a me person, me first, and everything's about me, you're you're in the wrong place. You don't need to come over here to our team at I Protect Insurance. So. First rule, hire great people. But here comes number two, and I think this is something you need to take a good hard look in the mirror about. Um, you need to make sure you got the right people in the right seats on the bus. And here's what I mean by that. Right now, you've got three people, yourself, your wife, and one other team member. And it sounded like it was yourself and the team member that are writing the new business. Now, I don't know that you've ever bothered to look and see what your uh, quote to mine ratios are. Are you sure you got the three people that are in the three seats on the bus in the right spots on the bus? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't have enough context. If I came down to your agency for two weeks, would Scott pull you into that office that you're in right now and go, buddy, I don't know what the hell you were thinking, but your wife's out can outsell you every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Because take emotion out of it, take pride out of it, take ego out of it. I don't care if you have spots all over your body and a, a hand growing out of your ass. If you can write insurance, that's what I want you doing. Right. You know what I mean? I don't care about ego. I don't care about pride or, oh, this person's better than me at sales, but I don't want them to sell because that's going to hurt my ego. I don't give a shit. I don't care who you are, what you look like, how you dress. You can wear a damn uh, Barney outfit to work every day if you're selling, you know, a bunch of insurance for us a month. I don't care. But just make sure that you've got the right people in the right seats on the bus. And if you're going to hire a service person, you know, I say it on the podcast all the time. I need Paula Dean and Sweet Tea. I can't tell you how many people hire somebody to do service work to support and help their their family, and by family I mean their clients, because to me every person that's in our book of business is my family, and they don't like people. Mm -hmm. So now they answer the phone and they're like, "Portal Insurance, how can I help you?" And the person on the other line is like, "Well, God, this person doesn't even want to talk to me." So you have to make sure you've got everybody in the on the right seats in the bus. And then I guess the next thing I was going to say was to supercharge your agency. 
if there's something in Bradenton, Florida that you could get into that's like a niche that has good premium attached to it, mm-hmm. and you could get really good at selling that and, and then market yourself as the expert in that particular type of insurance, that would be like putting your insurance agency on steroids because it's going to supercharge your premium levels and allow you and your wife to live the life that you want to lead. Let me give you an example. I don't know. I don't even know. I used to know, but I don't know right now off the top of my head where Bradenton, Florida is. But I know that there are Tampa and Miami and certain parts of Florida that have a lot of yachts and big boats. Well, I don't know what kind of premium those have, but you get really good at selling yacht and boat insurance and it's a $30,000, $20,000 account. I don't, I'm just making all this up right now. Could be anything. Could be plumbers. It could be electricians. It could be whatever. And you kind of, position yourself as the guy that writes that kind of business or your wife or or another team member that you hire is that person and they start writing a bunch of that stuff well hell you look up after about a year now yeah you went from three and a half million dollars in premium and now you're at five million dollars in premium it's a way to supercharge your agency if you can pick a, a niche that's got good premium what i call almost like middle market premium attached to it is a way to like supercharge your agency yeah does that make sense especially in a market like florida yeah, without without a whole lot of having to hire a bunch of people, you could probably do something like that. Does any of that that each of us said help? It does. Can I ask one more question without any pride or ego attached to it? Sure. Do you understand financials? Do you understand what a P&L and a balance sheet is and how to look at that and determine you know where you guys legitimately are? Because I cannot tell you. I, I'm going to call him out on the podcast because he's one of my best friends in the world. But sometimes I want to pinch his damn head off. Aaron Robertson. Aaron Robertson will sit there and tell me over and over and over and over and over again how he doesn't understand financials. He doesn't understand what a P&L is. He doesn't understand what a balance sheet is. And I'm like, Aaron, you can go watch 500 TikToks right now on how to understand a P&L and a balance sheet. Take you five minutes. It's almost like the person that you've got an answer as to why their billing account is more this month than it was last month in insurance, but they don't want to hear it because they don't want to understand. Have you ever had that happen before where they're like, well, I still don't understand. I don't understand why I'm paying 60 more dollars this month. No, 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 no. You understand. You just yeah. don't want to know it. Knowing where you are for me when I started and I was, I was, you know, a million or two in premium. I ran my PL every day because I wanted to know exactly where I was. You're probably, you know? you're probably, if I'm on one end, I'm not on one end. If I'm in the middle of the spectrum, you're probably way over here because I think you look at your cash flow balance sheet PL on a weekly. Not anymore you? because I have a bookkeeper doing it. Okay. So it's more in arrears. Okay. I look at it once a month. But a lot more than 99% of agents sure. probably do. Well, dude, I, and I'll add this and then let Scott answer the question. I, uh, Everybody knows I'm trying to aggressively acquire. I was negotiating with an agency owner this morning before you walked in on it via email, and I asked for a P&L. Did his gatekeeper and, tell you to go get yeah. yourself? <laughs> I, uh, I asked for a P&L, and uh, he said, oh, I don't have any of that. See? And I'm like, I bet you I bet you, 87% of the agents listening to this podcast right now do not know and probably have not ever run a PL or balance sheet. I don't know about no. 87%. There's definitely a large chunk. Than you think. Maybe I bet it's higher than you think. But it, this person really wants to sell this agency. He's motivated. Right. And I'm like, well, well, then you it, understand well, that that's going to make me have to do way more work, which is going to make me more uncomfortable, 
which is going to make me want to pay less and decrease the chances. That, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I would rather you throw something together real quick than, you know what I mean? Scott, anyway. you never answered the question because Bradley and I were talking, but do you understand financials in terms of looking at, you know, your gross revenue commissions that are coming in, not only monthly, but annually versus expenses going out to determine what your net net profit is to the agency? Do you do you, have you have you got something in place or somebody, whether it's a bookkeeper or an accountant, that you can you can look at all that and go, okay, I know where I am right now. Yeah. So going all the way back to 2020 when we transitioned from the producer role to the agency owner role, one of the first things I did, and I mean, even I think before we'd even signed the purchase agreement, um, was I hired a bookkeeper. And every quarter and occasionally as as needed in between, um, he and I'll touch base. That's and so awesome. he's the one that is, and, and by now, almost four years into it, he knows all the ins and outs. He sees this or he sees that and he knows how to look at it. But uh, to your question, he's doing all the numbers. Um, and then he and I are getting together again, quarterly or more often as needed and talking about exactly what you just mentioned, gross revenue, uh, obviously where the money's going out, um, what that leaves us at the end of the day, That's all correct. the things that you're looking at on balance sheet and on P&L. Hey guys, it's Bradley. Look, are you tired of spending endless hours searching for potential business prospects? Look no further. With Leo, you can gain access to a whopping 40 million businesses. That's 40 million prospects in just seconds. Say goodbye to painstaking searches and hello to efficiency. You guys know I'm all about efficiency. Leo just isn't about speed, though. It's about accuracy, too. With Leo's cutting-edge tools, you can validate new producers faster than ever before. No more wasted time on unreliable data. Leo's got you covered. But that's not all. Leo empowers you to carve your own niche market using unparalleled data insights. Want to target specific dates for workers' comp? Done. Need to identify brokers or carriers to focus on? Leo has your back. And here's the icing on the cake, guys. Leo lets you search prospects based on size, revenue, dates, violations, and more. The possibilities are literally endless. Step into a world of business possibilities with Leo. Revolutionize the way you connect, target, prospect, and succeed. Don't miss out. Join the Leo community today. Go to meetleo.com, and when you go to book a demo or reach out to them, put in the how did you hear about us field that you heard about them on the Insurance Guys podcast or IGP for short. You'll get 20% off. Talk to the folks at Leo. Highly recommend them. Thanks, guys. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees, small $200 a month membership fee, over 50 plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year, our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. 
no termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. I got a question. Today is October 24th, 2023. Bradley asked the question, how much premium you got? You said 3.5 million, give or take. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. If we rewound the clock to October 24th, 2022, one year ago from today, I have a reason behind asking this question. Bradley asked you on October 24th, 2022, how much premium you got, Scott? What would your answer have been? As far as what, what would the number have been? Yeah, today it was it was three point five. They, they broke that's the cap a, that's, part off. I was going to say that's a. I, I I get your question. It's a tough question because of where we were as a business in our you know being captive versus where we are now. So we did walk away from quite a bit of revenue and premium. Well, I guess my I, I guess what I was trying to get to today. is I guess what I was trying to get to Scott is like uh, from growth year over year. I'd love to know kind of what y'all are doing in terms of. Just slow, steady growth year over year in the agency. Here's probably an easier way to answer that. What was your new business before you went totally independent per month? And you said now it's a hundred thousand. What's that? But see, that's only that's only half the equation. So here's what I tell people all the time: I don't give a shit how much new business you can write eight hundred thousand dollars a month. You know what I care about? What's going out the back door? Yeah, the leak, yeah. the leakage. You've got to slam that back door shut. So your answer was, we're writing around $100,000 a month in new business. Great. Perfect. Yahtzee. High five. How much we got going out the back door every month? And Scott, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think that's the kind of the crux of this whole thing. And when you know Bradley put that out um, last night, what you just mentioned is one of the biggest things I'm thinking about. Okay, I have X mm-hmm. amount of hours in a day, right? Yeah. Um, still, still have a responsibility as a dad and a husband and business owner and everything else. So is is my time better served building out an airtight process because i'll be honest with you we have some processes but i wouldn't certainly wouldn't call it airtight building out an airtight process to retain the business and the relationships we have now or is it better served focusing on new business and a great process for our leads and a great process for onboarding and things like that or again and i'm repeating myself here but Am I better served taking that same amount of time and to Scott's point, making sure that everything I have now and everything that we write moving forward, sure, some of it's 
you know, we're not ever going to think going to have a 100% retention ratio, but right. if I can take a 80% retention and turn it into 90, 92, 95, what's a better investment of my time? So my opinion is it's really easy to have good retention when you're less than 500,000 in revenue without having super airtight processes. I think I would have something in place for retention, but I would focus on growing the agency. When you're a million in revenue, 2 million in revenue, 5 million in revenue, yeah, a three percentage point change in retention is more business than a new producer can bring on, right? In a mm -hmm. lot of cases. But when you're 300,000 in revenue, and it, not that there's anything wrong with that, we've all been there, increasing your retention by 5% is only $15,000. And 5% is a big swing. Mm -hmm. So I think you can maintain the book, especially given the current market. I think you can maintain the book and it's going to go up. You know, like we we track in, at Portal, we track every month I get a report of all the policies that cancel the premium. And a lot of times the the, the rate increases, not new business, but the rate increases offset. by themselves offset what we lost. Yes. And then the new business, you know what I mean? So if I'm you... I'm leaning more towards growing the agency, building processes out for new business. Because the thing is, so your revenue per employee, and you do count agency owners in the employee count for revenue per employee, your revenue per employee is $100,000. So pretty much any CFO in the country that knows insurance is not going to tell you to hire somebody right now unless it's somebody that's going to bring in new business. So I think you got to get your revenue per employee up before you hire somebody else. And the way you do that is, in my opinion, new business. And to, Brad, to Bradley's point, I don't disagree with Bradley. Okay, let me say that. But I will say that I know for a 1,000% fact that the average retention ratio among independent agents hovers, and this is a fairly big swing, but it's somewhere between 87% and 92%, somewhere yep. in that range, Okay. If I looked at whatever system I use and Hawksoft, you can go to agency intelligence and see your agency's mm -hmm. overall retention ratio. I think ours hovers between 89, 88, 90%. Well, Easy links has a really good report for that. So right. I think it's called agency pulse is the but, name of it. But mm -hmm. if I, if I looked at whatever I had to look at that, whatever metric I had to look at that, depending on what my AMS or what my system was, and I saw that my retention ratio was like 80%, mm -hmm. 70, something's going on. What, what is what is your retention? Something's going on. We're at about 86 right now. It's not terrible. Yeah. It could be better, but that's not terrible. Bradley, let me ask you this. And I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. It's no, no, just no. kind of the reality of what we're dealing with in Florida and I'm sure other parts of the country too. But it's a lot easier to keep business right now than it is to write business. We've got carriers that are not taking new business. We've got carriers with extremely tight underwriting guidelines. Hell, we've got carriers that are, as I'm sure you know, leaving the state altogether. Mm -hmm. Not only not writing, they're they're getting out. With that being the case, and it not being, I guess I would say, a normal market or a normal market um, cycle, would you still say place more emphasis on the process for your leads and your onboarding and your new business, or would it be more the back end stuff, the retention stuff that Scott's talking about. It's a personal preference question. And honestly, the the answer I gave, I was about 50-50 on both. Right. But I tried to make sense of the one that I picked. I still would lean that way because here's the thing. You told me you were writing a hundred thousand dollars in in new business per month. Okay. Mm -hmm. So ten thousand dollars in revenue. So 
so twenty thousand dollars in or excuse me, ten thousand dollars in revenue per month. So one hundred twenty thousand dollars in new revenue per year, new business. If you just keep doing the same thing that you're doing, if you don't increase that at all, if you go, you're at eighty seven. If you go to a hundred percent retention, which is not going to happen, but if you go to a hundred percent retention, that's thirty nine thousand dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a math thing. I look at both of those. As long as the eighty seven doesn't go down, right? If the eighty seven goes down, it's a completely different thing. But I just look at both of those. I'm like, okay, do you want one hundred twenty thousand, or do you want thirty nine, or do you want some yep. of both? You know what no, I mean? That makes sense. Uh, that's the area I would go. And I, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, if you're writing one hundred thousand dollars in revenue, you got some people doing one hundred thousand dollars in premium. You got some people doing new business, right? I think there's more opportunity for new business in this market right now because mm-hmm. everybody's rates are going up. The beautiful thing about insurance is every person that you and Everybody I passed shopping. on the street, downtown Mobile last night is a prospect. It's just a question. They're, they're going to buy our product today. You know, if you're in the mortgage industry, not everybody's going to buy a house. If you're in car sales, not everybody's going to buy a car. If you're in software, not everybody's going to buy your product. But in insurance, every single person buys your product. What I, what I should have done last night is walk by every one of them and go, hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. You know what portal insurance is? They'd all say no. That would that's, actually that's be, a, that'd that, be a fun like they David, sh- but they David, should know they David should Letterman know. on the street kind of thing. They should know. They yeah. should know who portal insurance yeah. is. So I think that there's tons of opportunity right now because the other thing is competition is having to divert resources to retention and that sort of thing. You guys are at the size where three people can manage that really well. Mm-hmm. Like it would not have shocked me if you just said it's just you. You know what I mean? Nothing mm-hmm. wrong. I'm not I'm not downplaying the side. I mean, it, I think it's phenomenal what you guys have built. You guys have done an awesome job. But that's the first thing is I would focus on the sales. And then the second thing, after you kind of get the new business off of you and you can focus a little bit more on internal processes is you've got to, I think you've got to add you and your wife a VA. Wouldn't you agree with that? Mm. To handle. Or just one VA between both. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I meant. Uh, which it, to handle the. Every agency has low-level data entry, mortgagee calls, that sort of thing. Multiply that times about 100 in a coastal agency. Because mm-hmm. I'm betting none of your carriers download, right? Or not a lot of them do. And you got to deal with citizens and all that. So I would add a VA to take off all of the... And I know Florida's a little bit different in what an unlicensed person can and can't do. But to take off all the low-level unlicensed stuff off of you guys... That way you can focus more on service that directly impacts the bottom line. To me, that's the easiest part of the really three big pieces of advice we've given you. But that way you're really only focused on the important service stuff and can build processes around that for when you do eventually hire somebody to kind of take the operation side. Can I say something, Scott, at the risk of really pissing you off this morning? Go for it. Is your wife in there with you right now? She's next door, yeah. You may have already done this. And if you have, that's okay. There, there's a scene in the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise in it. In the scene, Penelope Cruz says, every second's a chance to turn it all around. Every second's a chance to turn it all around. But here's where you're going to screw yourself. Let me just let me just tell you and your wife how you're going to screw yourself, okay? You're at $3.5 million in premium, which at 10% equates to about $350,000 in gross revenue before anything's paid out. And we've got one employee and we've got to pay taxes and we've got to pay the light bill and we've got to pay that $1,800 a month rent that you're sitting in right now. Okay. We got to do all that. But what you cannot afford to do right now today to be able to do some of the stuff Bradley's talking about 
is you go buy a $700,000 house on the golf course with a white picket fence. You're driving the 2021 Ford Raptor. Your wife's driving the Mercedes. You've got two kids, both of which need to be in private school. You just went out and bought a $2,500 Bernadoodle dog. And next thing you know, you're going to be looking around and you're going to go, holy shit, we can't hire anybody and we can't do anything because we need to take every single penny that we make out of this agency right now to pay all these bills plus the $26,000 American Express card bill every month. My bet is that is not the case. Now, if you've already done that, Penelope Cruz said it best. Every second's a chance to turn it all around. But I'm just telling you right now, Today, at where you are, you need to be living in the Meemaw and Pawpaw house that Scott Howell lives in that he paid $150,000 for to 3% your, interest rate. Your pool deck is bigger than your, than your Hand house. to God, my pool deck's bigger than my damn house. <laughs> I you, swear to you God. Ever, have you ever, call my agency office right now and ask them. Have you ever you. looked at your house on Google Google Maps? It's probably an embarrassment. It's, it's, that's hilarious. Have you seen it? Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. How much bigger the deck is? Please pull that up. Let me see that. I have never bothered <laughs> to your, look at that. Scott, I don't want to piss your wife off, and I don't want to piss you off. I'm just telling you, we need to kind of keep it down home, cuz, for a little while. Now, when we get up to seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, in- son of a bitch, it's funny. Uh, it, I, I like and that's it. not. A, I don't think that's the deck yet. I think that's just the that's point. what that's the deck's there, but it looks like they're half is half built. Yeah. But so I looked it up when you were talking about how big your deck was. I was like, let me see if he's full of crap. Like, no, oh my God! It's the, the deck is literally. You know, Kim and I had a conversation this weekend. We were driving down the road. We went to go get a pizza, and we're coming back. And I said, Kim, I really don't think these podcast people and friends of ours in the industry. And then I said, and I don't even think Bradley fully appreciates and understands where we live. And I said, we have got to get Bradley Flowers up here to our house. Sometime. I would, I would like to, I would Just like to, to come go. so he can look around and go, yep. Exactly. How so the the house is the house is at a right angle, uh-huh. and so imagine a right angle. The pool is as big as if the empty space yeah. inside the right angle was also house. Right. That's like the best thing. It's like the most Scott Howell thing ever. But but you do know? you agree with what I'm saying? No, I agree. I, mean, I agree. You, you, you but can't based on yourself in a situation sure. where you can, I, well, we can't hire oh, a VA because yeah, we need every. I'll give you an example. It. I'll give you an example. Because then you end up um, staying about where you are, just yeah. turning water just to keep up with what you got. I'll give you an example. The only thing I really spend frivolously on is food. But I'll give you an example. When, and this was more symbolic than anything. But when I started Portal, and I don't think that's the case with Scott, just based on his personality, I, I, that, that would not. it would very surprise me if he's like, oh, yeah, we live in a $1.2 million house. I don't mean that as a knock either. But I, I see you as somebody who's really smart about finances and that sort of thing and by the way scott i want you to live in a 1.2 million dollar yeah. house there'll come a time when you can yeah but there'll come a time if y'all keep growing this agency making great decisions hiring great people yeah selling figuring out how to slam that back door when you can go buy a 1.2 million dollar house and be able to afford a 1.2 million dollar house you know i think that's really sage advice thankfully we had some good mentorship before we purchased the agency. And then as after we purchased the captive agency and started looking seriously at transitioning to independent, again, going back to the bookkeeper and looking at the balance sheet and revenue and everything else, we knew almost down to the penny what we were going to be walking away from. So it allowed us to have our, our lifestyle personally at a place where 
I mean, we we separated, like I said earlier, in January and hired somebody two weeks later. Yeah. So we have tried to, you know, be mindful of that. And I think that's great advice for, for anybody that's scratch or, or newer into, mm-hmm. into owning an agency. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, I can't remember Scott or Bradley who mentioned it, but somebody brought up disk test. I know a lot of employers in, in different places will use that as they're looking to hire people. Are either one of you guys using disk or other personality assessments when you're looking at, you know, talking about getting not only the right people on your team, but once they're on your team, getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. So I'll tell you the one we use that we have discovered is the Tony Robbins disc disc assessment that's free online. You just Google free Tony Robbins disc assessment. We tell candidates to go to that website, take the free assessment. At the end of that assessment, it's going to give you a PDF to download and they and I tell them to send that to me. Now that may seem a little bit cheap or not <laughs> super professional. Hey, go to this free website and take this test. But I tell them, hey, send me that PDF and then I can go in and buy the results that I want. And it's twenty nine ninety five. Mm-hmm. So because it's only twenty nine ninety five, we disc everybody. And what I like about that particular disc assessment is it gives you the things that motivate them. So I can see, are they motivated by balance and harmony and form? Are they motivated by money? Are they motivated altruistically? Are they motivated to learn? Are they motivated to follow the rules? And that sort of thing it kind of tells me where they think. And then it also gives you a description of strengths. But I'll be honest with y'all guys, and you're probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but if you want somebody to really decipher a, a, a disc assessment, I send all of mine to Scott Howell. This man can read a disc assessment like anybody I've ever met. But what I was going to say initially, uh, real quick, two things. One, the best feeling in the world to me as someone who gets really emotional about spending money is having a budget and spending every dollar on paper the month before it's spent. It removes that sting that you get with spending. You know exactly where it's going. So having an agency budget is super important. I think one of the smartest things you said you've done in this call, Scott, is hiring an outsourced bookkeeper. Yeah. You know, you're not at the point. And frankly, neither Scott and I are where we can hire an in-house bookkeeper, but outsourcing that and getting someone that's significantly better than what you could hire right now is phenomenal. Um, if if you guys want, uh, if you guys want a recommendation for an outsourced bookkeeper, hit me up, yeah. hit me or Scott up. We can hey. point you in the right direction. But one more thing, let me say. So when when I started Portal, I had a weekly poker game that I would play in. Texas Hold'em. I love Texas Hold'em. I, I don't understand Sorry. gambling. Like when we go to casinos and I see these people sitting there with their card in the machine, hitting the button or blackjack, that does not get me going at all. But if there was a poker table in this corner right here, I would not be, I would be mm. doing that. I love Texas Hold'em. I had a weekly $20, $20 buy-in Texas Hold'em game that I played in. And when I started Portal, I, I quit playing in it and have not been back. Just from the symbolic of, hey, I'm quitting my multiple six-figure job to open this business and make no money for two years. What does that say to my family if I still play in this poker game? So symbolically, I I did that. And um, another thing that I've gotten into big lately is in the last year is collecting rare bourbon. Mm-hmm. And we're in the process of buying an agency right now. And I'm, I'm stopping that. It's like, it's you know what I mean? There, there's things that you just have to, you know, you've our our good friend Dave Ramsey says you're beans and rice, beans and rice. Your, you know? fa- your favorite bourbon was again? I can't remember you. Uh, uh, my two favorite, my, my two favorites are uh, Weller Antique One Hundred Seven and E. H. Taylor. 
Mm-hmm. The easy to find EH tailors, though, not the like real expensive ones. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I think Scott, I think we could go into. I had a presentation I gave on this exact subject in Chicago, and I could go into three or four more things. But if I were you, I would just focus on those two things, and that kind of gets you on that path to success. You're already doing, and you're already successful, but you're already doing a lot of things right. But you've got to. I think you got to get the sales off of you. And then and then focus on building processes for service and retention. Unless you're the be- unless you're the best in the agency at sales, then you you know then, I'm I'm talking about getting back into sales because I'm the best we got at sales. And I need I don't need I don't need a thirteen million dollar agency. I need a forty five million dollar agency. So why me too? Do you take the guy who's the best in sales and take him out of sales, which is what I've done I, to myself? I think if you're in that case, then then you got to build around you and have you sell everything and 100%. have people to do the other stuff. Hundred yeah. percent. That's what I'm yeah. doing. That's why I'm hiring all these people. I'm hiring to do all this other stuff. I cannot wait till you start selling again, dude. I am. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. I'm. I miss, I miss being in sales. I miss, but, but, but if you think Scott Howell's getting Cut. back in sales to sell printers insurance, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm going mid market, you know, if it ain't a hundred thousand dollars, Scott ain't selling it. BOR on everything, all that stuff. Ah, uh, maybe. Can, can I, can I give you some advice, unsolicited advice? Yeah. When you do that, set yourself up so that somebody else handles the service. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Otherwise you're going to kill yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not doing service work. I even no. think that I would, and I have done this. So I had a cell phone that I had, I had two phones forever. So my buddies called me two phones, like the rapper, two chains. Mm-hmm. They called me two phones. And one of them I gave to customers. The other, I didn't. Right. And what I ended up doing is porting that number over to my office line. Mm-hmm. And then I got a new cell number. So all the people yeah. that called me still right. got somebody, right? You know, uh, but you know the problem with hiring just a jam up rock star, just a just a dog to go out and sell mid market stuff instead of me doing it. How long is it going to be before they go? Hey, by the way, I need some I need some ownership in this agency. Yeah, because you know that's going to happen if you got a guy out there or a girl that's selling mid market accounts that's that's yeah. really knocking the bottom out of it. It will there will come a day. For sure. When they walk in and go, hey, by the way, I need some of this agency. And there's too. a way to structure it. I mean, you can you can ghost equity, you can deferred comp. You know, we do deferred comp here. Um that's assuming that's assuming they don't walk in one day and go, you know what I've decided? I'm starting my own agency. I'm gonna go start my own yeah. agency. For sure. I will say though, yeah. there's there's a lot of a lot of mid market, really good mid market producers are really smart. You have to be smart yeah. to do something like that. Yeah. And a lot of them recognize that. And I'll just be honest with you: if you want to make a lot of money in a ten-year time frame, owning an agency is not the way to do no. that. It's it's Sell working it. for an agency that's set up for sales, and a lot of those guys know that. And but I know the fastest way to get to twenty million in premium, and it and it's Scott Howell. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll 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 put all my poker chips in the center of the table on myself. If I go hire somebody, now I got to go mm-hmm. put up with whatever little picadillos they have and the ego and the pride sure. and the, oh, I'm, you know, and, and a lot of mid-market people, guys and girls that are really good at it, they're divas. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like uh, being a Hollywood director and hiring a, a Tom Cruise. Well, yeah, they're going to bring people into the box office, but guess what? For, for a year while you're shooting that movie, you got to put up with all the church ontology the the stuff yeah all the stuff (laughs) that you're like i really don't want to deal with this right now bradley said something though scott that really resonated with me and i'm so glad he said it because i need you to understand this call has helped me 
probably more than it's helped you. And I'm going to tell you two things, or one thing he said specifically that I don't do that I need to do. He mentioned creating an agency budget for certain things like marketing, advertising. I don't do that. And I need to start doing that. I need to set a monthly budget for, for certain things in our agency. We're not going to go over this budget, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. I don't do that right now. And I need to start doing that. We just spend money like it's coming out of wild hog's ass instead of actually understanding where our money's going each month. I'll give you an example on that. This morning, I got a receipt from Facebook for $900 in Facebook ads. 100%. And, and normally, I would cringe at that. Oh, $900 just left my account. I mean, that was more than my rent at my first office, right? which is now Jim. But we had budgeted. Carrie and I budgeted $1,000. So I'm like, actually... I made a hundred dollars because we budgeted a thousand and I spent 900. Right. You know what I mean? So right, right, right. it, it kind of takes that away. And Dave, Dave Ramsey says that, and I'm not a big Dave Ramsey guy. He actually has me blocked on Twitter, but it's spend every dollar on paper the month before. Can I and, ask a question that's sure. going to make Scott Cox come through that TV and try to hit me square in the face as hard as he can. I, I don't Scott, know. earmuffs. You don't need to hear this. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Okay. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> okay. But you're probably the man that can answer this question. Okay. Right now, okay. today is October twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-three. Is it? Okay. I think I have in my operating account. Okay. What do I do with all that damn money? It's a lot. It's 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 a significant, a significant amount of money in my operating account. I would way I over can tell you what, what the I, FDIC would insure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If a bank fails, they'll only go up to two hundred. I would definitely split that up amongst multiple banks. Uh, and right now, and it's probably the freaking Podunk Bank, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I would definitely split that up. Um, and this is, you know, I don't have a college degree, by the way. The guy giving you this advice does not have well, a college degree, but he has a really, really smart wife. Some good of the with money. some of the smartest people I know don't have college and degrees. So, so yeah. I'll tell you what I did. So, because uh, you want to get to it if you need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you want it to stay so, liquid. So, I moved, so there's two things that I think are really smart right now. Again, October 24th, 2023. This is not financial advice. So there's a bank that I work with that I could happily refer you to that has a money market account that's paying 5%. Okay. Um, I moved some money into that a year ago, and I actually looked at the interest I gained, and it's significant. Yeah. Matter of fact, I know of someone who put several million dollars in that and is – basically living off the interest um but but and it's and it's i want to keep what half of what i said that you said you were going to cut out that's a a question for a cfo but like how much to keep in there but i moved a percentage of it was basically i took i closed my business savings at my bank and moved the savings to this and the the thing is since it's a money market account you can pull it out right right, Um, right. so so it's it's liquid liquid, liquid, the other thing that a lot of rich guys are doing right now people with much more money than then you have, the, yeah, yeah, is they're doing T bills, yeah, treasury bills they're, because they're getting up, and and the the downside with treasury bills is is you do lock it up for a period of time, it's like a year or ten months. I think you something. can do one, three, six, twelve. It's kind of like a Tapco builder's risk policy. You can do, <laughs> you can do, you can do, That's you can do one. Even dude, everything like a damn about, Tapco builder's risk. Everything in my brain goes towards insurance. So, like my brother-in-law asked me the other day, he said, "What's three hundred sixty divided by 12? And I said, "You know what's funny is I have no idea, but if you were to ask me 
how much a month is a three hundred and sixty dollar life insurance policy? I'd say thirty dollars. Right. It's the same thing. You right, know, right, 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 right. Uh, but I think you can do certain I think hey, what about Aaron Gordon's dad walking into people's bedrooms and going, Hey, why why isn't that smoke Dude, alarm? That was funny. That was real funny. Uh anyway, so I think uh you would the you would T bills are we haven't done T bills mostly because we just haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about it. We're also building a house, so being liquid it's somewhat important right now. Well, but in, um, the, in the high yield savings account right now, getting like five percent too. That's what I, that's that money market. Okay, that's, okay. that's basically what Same that thing, is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is the bank you're talking not, about putting me on to put some of this money in? Is it a national bank or a local? It's a regional. Okay, regional bank. And anybody listening wants a referral, I'm happy to. This that's not a promotion, but I'm happy to to send them your send you their way. I almost but actually, you know, I got to do something with that. I can't just yeah, I would not sitting in that account. You're losing money to inflation every day. Yeah, I would keep. Somebody asked me this the other day. They said, how much money do you recommend keeping in your account? And I said, well, if it was a personal account, it's, you know, six to 12 months of expenses. But it's hard to it's hard to equate that in a business sense because you're never going to just have expenses in an insurance business. You're always going to have revenue. You know what I mean? There's all, you may lose money. So what I told this guy, again, not financial advice, is I would say, okay, what's a bad month? How much money do you lose on a bad month? Yeah. Have 12 months of that. Right. So, right, you right. know, you have a runway, you sure. know, startup world, they would call that, you know, 12 month runway. Right. That, you know, things could go horribly wrong and you're okay for 12 months. And if you can't turn it around in 12 months, you got bigger problems. Yeah. You know, so, but Scott, I hope this was helpful. It was, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, any other questions before we get off? I don't think so. The disc uh, assessment thing was helpful. I like what both of you were just talking about now with your, with your budget. My wife and I do a, personal budget and a business budget. We were actually working on it yesterday for November. And, you know, it's one thing to have it laid out. One, one of the things I've realized is you get so busy, sometimes you forget to actually go back and look at it and see where you're on track or overspending or whatever. So the other thing about not only doing the personal and biz, business budget, but then doing the review at the end of the month, exactly. like your statements is you'll usually find something that you're like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for the damn Amazon Prime blah, blah, blah thing. I'm going to tell you my favorite thing to do. I do it about every 60 days as I go through all my bank chargers and I cancel stuff. Yep. And it's such a yep. it's like, good thing. It's, it's almost like you just saved money because you're like, I caught that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it'll be $20 here, $30, you know, $10 here. But it adds up. Yeah, it does. It yeah. adds up. I was on the call with a business owner. A, a young new business owner last week doing a 30 minute, I was just helping them out. And, uh, they were like, yeah, well, yeah, I've got a, a zoom subscription. And I was like, why do you have a zoom subscription? Well, because 45 minutes it cuts off. Right. And I said, look, I have a zoom subscription for that reason, but it's because we record the podcast on zoom. I said, I was on a call with someone that worked for a $500 million company the other day. And at 45 minutes, he said, hey, hang on, I got to end this meeting and start it over. It's about time out. I said, nobody's judging you because you have a unpaid Zoom account. Yeah. And matter of fact, there's not many meetings that need to be 45 minutes. Most meetings can be cut down significantly. If you can't handle it in 30 minutes, there may be an issue. But those little $15, $20, $70 a month that... It all adds up. It does. You know, you you feel like you get $10 to debt. You know, I have nightmares about $10 bills turned into knives stabbing me over all over because you feel like when you own a business, you get $10 to death. And dude, um, the other advice I give people too, this is actually really good advice. I think, I think it's good advice. 
when you first start your company, cash flow is everything. Correct. And and and, and cash flow is always everything. Okay. When you first start your company, let's say you have a service you need in order to serve your clients, and it's fifty dollars a month, right? You can pay fifty dollars a month or five hundred dollars a year, right? Well, in the beginning, being able to only pay fifty dollars is crucial. So what I tell people when you're starting your company, do everything on monthly. That way you don't have to take a big hit one month. Mm-hmm. But as you grow and you build up cash flow and you have all these little services, changing all of them over to annually accomplishes mm-hmm. two goals. You free up cash flow monthly mm-hmm. so you don't have those expenses every month, but you also save 10% on the right. top. Right. Hey, Scott, one thing I was going to leave you with is one thing I think you have to be careful about down in Florida because of the state of the homeowner's market down there is – you need to make sure that you're staying on top of the carriers you do have. And if somebody comes into Florida that's got a smoking hot rate, you need to be figuring out some way, somehow to get make sure you get a opportunity to have that contract. Because what you don't want to have happen is your competitor down the street gets this new homeowners carrier that just came into Florida. Cause that's coming. That's cause mm-hmm. you don't see carriers start coming back in. Right, Bradley. It's, it's already on, but it's happening now. And then they start just yeah. wearing your ass out, right. And your customers, because when they call over there, they've got this, you know, portal insurance carrier. I'm just making and that it name kills up. me when I see agents, agents in Facebook groups are really bad about this. And usually it's the, the crotchety ones. Yeah. A new carrier comes on the scene. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to wait and see what happens with them. I'm like, dude, by the time you decide to get appointed with them, they're not going to have the appetite that they had in the beginning. When you sell insurance in a coastal market, picking up carriage is like buying stocks. You buy low, sell high. You get in with them early while the getting's good and you build up a book. That way you have that advantage over the people that don't. And by the way, when you get that new carrier, don't tell any of your friends that are agents about it. (laughs) No, that's good advice. Keep it a secret as long as you freaking can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to end this thing. Scott, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We love you. Please tell Allie that we both said hello. Anything we can do to help y'all, please reach out. We'd love to do that. As I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today, guys. Go out into the big, bad world, create relationships, become the mayor of the village that you live in. I want every single person when they walk up and down the street and they see you to go, hey, there's an insurance guy or girl in our community. That's what you need to be. If you're that person and everybody knows who you are and everybody knows who your agency is, the next time they go buy a wave runner, a home, an auto, or whatever it is, they're going to think, you know what? I need to call Scott Howell. I need to call Scott Cox, man. I, he's the insurance guy, Bradenton, Florida, and I need to go call him and get some insurance. Go write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Scott. Scott. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com 
or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.